Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our Mosaic Sermon Series, where we're exploring different stories from Jesus' life to see what those stories have to teach us about who Jesus is. And in this week's sermon, we're going to be taking a look at what Jesus has in common with a fictional race car and an infamous football player. So let's dive right into this episode's sermon. race cars, at least for a few more laps. 
I mean, they had just finished what was supposed to be the final race of the season, but you can't exactly have your season end in a tie. So the decision was made to have one last race that would be held in a race car track halfway across the country. And that time, the winner of the race would play, would take off, and they would claim their state as Piston Cup champion. So as Lightning McQueen rolled into his transport trailer at the end of that day, he was on top of the world. He knew that countless other cars would spend their entire lives dreaming of becoming Piston Cup champion. But now that dream was within his reach. All he had to do was to make it to the racetrack in California, drive the race, win the race, and he would make history. So when his travel trailer finally arrived in California, Lightning McQueen should have been elated. He should have gone out and he should have soaked in all of the attention. He should have been playing it up to the crowd. He should have been negotiating multi-million dollar endorsement deals with all the sponsors that had come to town for that one big race. But when the doors of the transport trailer opened up, something was missing. And what was that something that was missing? It was Lightning McQueen. But Lightning McQueen isn't the only sports star that has ever disappeared when he was on the verge of competing in the biggest competition of his professional life. A little bit later on today, we'll see the kickoff of the AFC and NFC Championship games to determine who's going to go on and play in the Super Bowl. So when I think about the story of Lightning McQueen, I can't help but think of the story of a football player who missed out on playing in the biggest game of his career. Now, as this story begins, the Super Bowl was still hours away from kicking off. But when that game kicked off, the eyes of more than 80 million people would tune in to watch the biggest sports game of the year. And when those 80 million eyes tuned in to watch that game, they would watch as the reigning MVP of the NFL would take on one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. As those 80 million eyes tuned in to watch that game, they would watch the bruising backfield battle it out against the high-flying offense to see who would raise the Lombardi Trophy and become Super Bowl champions. But with the kickoff to the game still being hours away, it was still hours from the time that the teams would leave their locker rooms before they would surge out and race out onto the field to play in the biggest game of those players' careers. But even though the game was still hours away, there's a lot of work for the teams to do. So both of the teams had gathered in their respective ballrooms inside of their hotels to hold one last meeting. And even though the eyes of 80 million people would soon be tuned in and watching every move that these players made, as they sat in those ballrooms, they were only focused on looking each other in the eye, making sure that all of them were ready for this big moment. And that's because those players and those coaches, they had worked their entire lives to reach this moment. And now they had. They had reached the pinnacle of their professional careers. So this was supposed to be a time for those players and those coaches that they would remember for the rest of their lives. This was supposed to be a time for those players and those coaches where they could celebrate everything that they had accomplished. This was supposed to be a time for those players and for those coaches where they could soak it all in and realize that they were going to go down in the annals of history as they got ready to compete in what would become Super Bowl XXIII. In that game, the San Francisco 49ers would take on the Cincinnati Bengals to see who would become Super Bowl champions. 
But as one of those teams met in their hotel ballroom hours before that game kicked off, they realized that something was missing. Or more accurately, they realized that someone was missing. And who was that someone that was missing? His name was Stanley Wilson. And he was the starting fullback for the Cincinnati Bengals football team. Now, his teammates had seen him as they started making their way down to the hotel ballroom that day. But now that all of the players and all of the coaches had arrived and were sitting in the ballroom, they realized that Stanley wasn't there. Cincinnati Bengals coach at the time, a guy named Sam Weish, asked where Stanley was. And his roommate spoke up and said that Stanley had to go back to their hotel room to grab his playbook. Well, Coach Weiss decided to wait a few minutes until Stanley could join the rest of the team. They waited five minutes, then ten minutes. After 15 minutes, Coach Weiss had had enough. But at that moment, all of the players and all of the coaches were starting to fear the worst. Because it's not like a football player would just up and disappear hours before they were playing in the Super Bowl. It's not like anyone would just up and disappear right before they were able to go out and achieve something they had spent their entire lives working toward. It's not like anyone just disappears when they have the golden opportunity before them. So Coach Weiss made the decision that it was time for him to leave the hotel ballroom along with a few other coaches to track Stanley Wilson down. Now, in both of these stories, the story of Lightning McQueen and the story of Stanley Wilson, we have people who up and disappear right when they are on the verge of accomplishing something great. And when I think about their stories, I can't help but think about another story as well. And this is the kind of story that just about every church only dreams of. Now, this story takes place in a small town. This is the kind of town where everybody knows your name and everybody knows your business. And this small town was going through the same problems that just about every other small town was going through in their day. The economy was in rough shape, and everyone seemed to be struggling to make ends meet. As jobs dried up in that small community, health care went away. And it didn't take long before it felt like every bed all across that small town was filled with someone who was sick. But there, inside of the small town, there was a small group of people, a community of believers, a church who continue to get together every week to pray and to ask God to send them a miracle. So the church prayed that God would send a new minister into town who could help breathe new life into their church and into their community. The church prayed that God would help them build up their benevolence funds so that they could help more people who were struggling financially. The church prayed that everyone who was sick in their town would somehow be healed. The church prayed that they could be used to reach hundreds, if not thousands, of help draw those people closer to God. And even though these were big, audacious prayers that that church was praying, they didn't pray those prayers in vain. And eventually, that new minister that they had been praying for came to town. And when that new minister came to town, they arrived with a flurry. It wasn't long before that old church was putting their old baptistry back to work. And it seemed like once the first person was baptized, that things really took off from there. It wasn't long before that church was overflowing with new members, and those members were chomping at the bit to dive in and work for the church. You had people who were willing to serve as Sunday school teachers or to join up with the deacons to be a part of a committee or even to sing in the choir. All it seemed to take was for their new minister to ask them 
but it doesn't stop there. What was happening in the life of the church doesn't stop with that. Because on one Sunday morning, when their new minister was standing on their stage behind the pulpit preaching his sermon, one of the sick people in town came walking through the doors of the church, down the center aisle, and asked the preacher to heal him. Well, even though the preacher had never done it before, he laid his hands upon this sick man, and somehow, some way, God used him to heal this man who was sick. Well, as you can imagine, it didn't take long for word of what this new preacher had done to begin to spread all across the town. And soon people were lining up at the doors of the church, hoping that this new minister would lay hands on them and that they could be healed as well. Well, on one Sunday morning, there was a crowd lined up at the doors of the church, stretching all the way around the block. The new members of the church who had volunteered to serve in different positions were getting ready to open up the doors for all these people to come in. But when they looked around, they realized that something was missing. And what was missing? It was their new minister. And everyone in the church automatically feared for the worst. They were afraid that some bigger church from some bigger town had come and stolen their preacher away from them in the middle of the night. They were afraid that denominational offices, officers had come calling and had asked their preacher to come and fill a far more prestigious position that he just couldn't turn down. They were afraid that the folks at TBN or the 700 Club had offered their preacher his own television show and he just couldn't resist the spotlight. And they had good reason for fearing all of these things. Because it's not like any minister just up and disappears as soon as their church starts to flourish. No, when a church starts to flourish, that's when a minister's going to start thinking about building bigger buildings or having more worship services or maybe even opening up satellite campuses all across the community. Or when a church starts to flourish, that's when a minister's going to start thinking about offering more programs or finding ways to open up the doors of the church more frequently or at the very least coming up with ways that they can help as many people as they possibly can. No minister just up and disappears like a puff of smoke and wind when their ministry starts flourishing. But that's exactly what this new minister did. And the Gospel of Mark is going to tell us this story. So you can take a look at this passage with me in Mark chapter 1, where we'll start reading in verse 29. Here's what Mark writes. It says, After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many of those who were sick of all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose. He went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Now, in this story, everything was going right for Jesus and his ministry in Capernaum. Jesus had been baptized. Jesus had called his first disciples. Jesus had healed a man who was possessed by some sort of impure spirit. And in the story that we just read, as it begins, Jesus has just healed someone else. 
This time it's Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And word is starting to spread about everything that Jesus has done. So the Gospel of Mark tells us that people were lining up wherever Jesus went. Crowds were gathering to see him. And this is the kind of position that every church and every minister dreams of being. Every minister dreams of having multitudes of people come flocking to the doors of a church. Every minister dreams of having dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of people who want to listen to every word that they have to preach or to teach. Every minister dreams about having a ministry that is truly making a difference in the world around them. And in this case, people were literally being healed. So as Jesus stood there. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law's door, looking beyond that threshold, out at the crowd who had come to see him, he should have been envisioning what the future held for his emerging ministry. Because now was the time when Jesus needed to be making plans about buying property so that he could build a church, building where all these people could come and worship. And now was the time when Jesus should have been thinking about how many worship services they were going to have to hold inside of that building every single weekend just to effectively minister to the people in town. Now was the time when Jesus should have been thinking about sitting down and writing a book about his experiences that would soon cram the bookshelves of every Christian retail store to try to help out other struggling churches. Now was the time when Jesus should have reached out to his IT guys and asked them to build him a fancy website so that they could start streaming his worship services, his messages, and the ministry of his church all around the globe. Just like with Lightning McQueen and Stanley Wilson, Jesus up and disappears when he's on the verge of something great. Now, when Lightning McQueen up and disappeared, he was on the verge of winning the prestigious Piston Cup. So, no other cars were going to give up looking for Lightning McQueen until they finally found him. And they eventually found him. He was in a near ghost town called Radiator Springs. It was located on the historic Route 66 in a part of the world that just about everyone had forgotten about. And how did this up-and-coming race car end up in that near ghost town? Well, in the middle of the night, he had slipped off of his transport trailer. So he ended up in Radiator Springs by accident. And when Stanley Wilson disappeared, he was on the verge of playing in the Super Bowl the biggest game of his entire career. And Stanley Wilson was an important component of the Cincinnati Bengals' strategy for that particular football game. So his coaches weren't going to give up looking for Stanley Wilson until they found him. And the coaches did find him. When they found him, he was laying face down on his bathroom floor, surrounded by the residue of the drugs that he had been snorting and smoking that day. How did Stanley Wilson end up in that position? Well, his addiction drove to that place. And when Jesus, when Jesus disappears, he is on the verge of creating the biggest ministry that the small town of Capernaum had ever or would ever see. Jesus was on the verge of creating the megachurch movement 2,000 years before places like Southeast Christian Church or Saddleback or Willow Creek or Life Church or North Point ever showed up on the scene. So you better believe with all of that happening, the disciples that Jesus had called away from their family, from their friends, from their careers to follow him, weren't going to give up until they found Jesus. And as we keep reading in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see what happens when Jesus' disciples find him. 
let's pick back up in the story in Mark chapter 1, verse 36. This is what Mark writes. He says, Simon and those with him tracked him, that is, Jesus, down. When they found him, they told him, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's head in the other direction, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. So why did Jesus disappear when he was on the verge of something great? Well, it wasn't by accident, like when Lightning McQueen disappeared when he was on the verge of racing to the Piston Cup Championship. It wasn't because of a tragic event, a tragic accident, like happened with Stanley Wilson when he was on the verge of playing in the Super Bowl. Jesus, when Jesus disappeared on the verge of something great, he did it intentionally. He did it intentionally. Jesus disappeared when he was on the verge of something great because Jesus knew that God was calling him to do something else. Jesus knew that God was calling him to preach, to proclaim the good news, to share the story of God. God wasn't just calling Jesus to do that in one small town. So he left Capernaum behind, the great roots of a ministry starting, but because God was calling him to share the good news elsewhere. And what we see in this story is that Jesus was willing to leave everything behind to follow his call. Jesus was willing to leave everything behind to follow his call. What about you? Are you willing to leave everything behind to follow God's call for your life and for our church? Because over the last few weeks, we have been exploring different stories from Jesus' life to see what these stories have to teach us about who Jesus is. But that's not the only reason why we've been exploring these stories. We've also been digging into these stories to see what each of them can teach us about how we can be better followers of Jesus. To see what these stories have to teach us about what it takes for us to be more like Jesus. This story, Jesus has everything that most of us inside of the church could ever hope for. But Jesus is willing to leave it all behind to follow God's call for his life. But what about you? Are you willing to leave everything behind to follow God's call for your life? Are you willing to leave behind your comfort zone to follow Jesus? Are you willing to leave behind your own wants and needs to follow Jesus? Are you willing to leave behind your own preferences to follow Jesus? Or are you only willing to follow Jesus if he doesn't ask you to change at all? In this story, we see what it means to truly follow Jesus. In this story, we see the example that Jesus sets for us about how we are supposed to live. We are supposed to be willing to leave everything behind to follow God's call for our life. 
And if you're not willing to do that, you might find that your faith does the same thing that Lightning McQueen and Stanley Wilson do. Your faith might just pull a disappearing act on you altogether. But if you are willing to follow God and God's call for your life, no matter what, it's truly amazing what God can accomplish through you. Let's pray together. God, as we come to this time of prayer, we thank you for the stories that we've heard today. We thank you for the stories of Lightning McQueen and Stanley Wilson, but mostly, God, we thank you for the story that we find about Jesus. And in this story from Jesus' life, God, he has everything that most of us inside of the church could ever imagine. People are lining up to see him. People are lining up to listen to him teach. People are lining up and having their lives changed by him. It's a situation that most of us could never imagine walking away from. But Jesus does it because he knows that you are calling him to do that. Jesus knew that his goal, his calling to do, was to go out and to preach and to your good news and your story all around the world. So he went, leaving everything behind to follow you. God, my prayer is that each of us are willing to follow his example, that we are willing to leave behind anything and everything to follow your call for our lives. Because God, your call for us is greater than anything that we your call for us can change our lives, and it can change history. God, help us to be willing to leave everything behind. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to think about if you are really willing to give up everything to follow God's call for your life. Because God does have a call for your life. God has a purpose and a plan for you, but you may have to be willing to leave everything behind from your wants and your desires to your personal preferences to be able to follow God's call for you. And if you're not willing to do that, well, your faith may disappear, just like Lightning McQueen and Stanley Wilson did. Well, in our next episode, we are going to be finishing up this sermon series called Mosaic, and we're going to be taking a look at the story of Jesus' transfiguration. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And you can also come and join us live for our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you with us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.